0: Today's Happy Healthy You podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com forward slash Happy Healthy You. Over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Hi everybody, welcome to Happy Healthy You, the podcast, the weekly podcast about living a whole life in mind, body, and spirit. Connie Bowman, and on this podcast, I've recorded a couple of shows about the importance of making peace with death for our own psychological and spiritual health and well-being. But today I'm just gonna go out on a daggone limb here because we're gonna talk about how not to die. How do you like that? That sounds like an interesting concept. So I'm here with my guest, and he's actually on a treadmill, so this is pretty cool. We'll have to talk to him about that. And he says that we Americans just spend so much time and money putting Band-Aids on bullet holes, he says, while taking an expensive pill to cure one ailment and another one to just counteract the side effects of that first one, when the simplest answer, he says, turns out to be extremely accessible and affordable. According to today's guest, the vast majority of premature deaths can be prevented through simple changes in diet and lifestyle. I'm talking today to Michael Greger, MD. He is the author of a brand new bestseller, How Not to Die. I just love that title, Michael. He's a physician. He's a New York Times bestselling author. He's an internationally recognized professional speaker on a number of important public health issues. He is a graduate of Cornell University School of Agriculture and Tufts University School of Medicine. He's written in numerous scientific publications, including the American Journal of Preventive Medicine biosecurity and bioterrorism, critical reviews in microbiology, among many others. He's also licensed as a general practitioner specializing in clinical nutrition. He's a founding member and fellow of the American College of Lifestyle Medicine, and he was featured on the Healthy Living Channel, promoting his latest nutrition DVDs. And he was also part of Dr. T. Colin Campbell's esteemed nutrition course at Cornell, His nutrition work is at nutritionfacts.org. You need to check it out. He's also the author of Bird Flu, A Virus of Our Own Hatching, very cute, and Carbophobia, The Scary Truth Behind America's Low-Carb Craze. His latest book, How Not to Die, became an instant New York Times bestseller. So without further ado, live from that treadmill, welcome, Dr. Greger. So
1: well,
0: happy to be here with you. Oh, wow. So you're walking on a treadmill. What You really do practice what you preach, huh?
1: Well, you have to. I want to live a long, healthy life so I can help other people live long, healthy lives.
0: Yeah, yeah. You really seem to be passionate about this. I'm I'm very inspired. Okay, well, we'll talk and you'll get a workout. And um, yeah, so let's just go. I want to hear all about this book. Can you talk about why you decided to write How Not to Die?
1: um well it's yeah it, it's not it's not how to not die but yes how not to die yeah. you know prematurely in pain after a long chronic disabling illness right. right but the good news is we have tremendous power over our health destiny and longevity um in terms of why i wrote this book it really all started with my grandma she um um she was cured of her heart disease um with a plant-based diet and other healthy lifestyle behaviors and uh, which has since been, uh, uh, you know, extensively documented by Dr. Dean Ornish and others, and I, th- and I thought, well, wait a second. If the cure to our number one killer, both men and women, can effectively be buried down some rabbit hole, and hundreds of thousands continue to die of this preventable, reversible illness, what else is there in the medical literature that? Could be benefiting my patients that uh, I don't know about, it just doesn't have a corporate budget driving its promotion. Um, and so that made it my life's mission to just translate the mountain of evidence out there that's already been published, but just never made it out to the public. Um, and uh, so that's why I started NutritionFacts.org, that's why I wrote the book. And that's what I'll keep, continue doing.
0: Yeah, you have so much good information in this book. I have read through it. I haven't read every single nugget, but I've read several because it's super thick and I just got it yesterday. But I believe it should be a coffee table book for every family in every household. I'm,
1: how about a green tea table book?
0: How about a green tea table book? I love it. And it, you know, kinda of goes with that theme, yeah. So can you talk about your grandma? I mean, that story you write about it in your introduction and I think it's pretty compelling. I mean, she was given a a virtual death sentence at the age of sixty five, but then yeah. I mean, she went on yeah. to live. A I long I was really life.
1: just a kid when the doctor sent my uh, grandma home, grandma kinda of home in a wheelchair to die. She was diagnosed with end stage heart disease. She had already had so many bypass operations, surgeons basically run out of plumbing at some point. Mm. Confined to wheelchair-crushing chest pain, doctors told her nothing else they could do. Her life was basically over at age 65. Uh, but then she heard about this guy, Nathan Pritikin, this early lifestyle medicine pioneer. Became one of his early success stories. She's even actually featured in Pritikin's biography. Um, it was this you know live-in program, everybody's placed on a plant-based diet. It started on a kind of graded exercise regimen. Uh, they wheeled her in, and she walked out. Within a few weeks, she was walking 10 miles a day, went on to live another 31 years till age 96, to continuing to enjoy her six grandchildren, her uh, near-miraculous recovery not only inspired one of those grandkids to pursue a career in medicine, but you know, granted her enough healthy years to see him graduate from medical school. So it's really all thanks to her that I do the work that I
0: do. Yeah, that's so inspiring. So she lived another 31 years. Wow. Can you tell me what is lifestyle medicine? I've never heard of that term.
1: Yeah, so uh, there's long been this concept of preventive medicine. What can we do to prevent chronic disease us uh, concentrating on smoking cessation, healthy diet, exercise, etc. But lifestyle medicine—what sets it apart is it's using the same kind of lifestyle interventions to actually treat and reverse disease, in addition to the, to just preventing
0: it. I feel like that's the future of medicine, but maybe a lot of people don't know about it yet.
1: <laughs> uh, it should be the future yeah. of medicine. Uh, you know, uh, a healthy diet can not only be safer and cheaper. Um, than current conventional medical approaches, but actually work better because you're treating the cause of the disease and not just kind of, uh, you know, uh, mediating the impact, slowing the decline, decreasing right. some of the consequences.
0: Well, maybe we can start there uh, with medical school. What is missing in medical school curriculums? Because I love how you, well, I love, first of all, how you write. You're, you're pretty whimsical, and I think people can tell by this treadmill conversation that you're a pretty lighthearted guy. <laughs> How many miles have you gone, by the way?
1: Ah, well, I do about 17 miles a day, but it's still early, so uh, okay. i got a long way to go.
0: Okay, well, well, we'll try to get you up there in your mileage by talking uh, to keeping you uh. busy. So so talking about medical school and what it's missing, I, I love this quote here. You say, during my medical training, I was offered countless steak dinners and fancy perks by Big Pharma representatives, but not once did I get a call from Big Broccoli.
1: <laughs> Indeed, uh, that would have been a delicious supper too. Totally,
0: I you. totally I'm uh, but,
1: yeah, doctors have a severe nutrition deficiency in education. Most doctors just never taught the impact healthy nutrition can have on the course of illness, and so they you know graduate lacking a powerful tool in their you know medical toolbox. Um, so, you know, that's one of the reasons I started nutritionfacts.org. I mean, there are, you know, also institutional barriers such as time constraints and, you know, reimbursement schedules, you know, but in general, you know, doctors simply aren't paid for counseling people on how to take care of themselves. Um, and, you know, indeed, you know, drug companies also play a role in influencing, you know, medical education and practice. But uh, so there's kind of institutional reasons, personal reasons. Um, but, uh, you know, when it's a matter of life and death, we, we've got to do better as a as a profession.
0: I, I totally agree. We've got to do better and, and we need people like you to really like lead the, lead the charge. So, so thank you for what you're doing. So the book is divided into two parts and you, the first part is, is, uh, you have 15 leading causes of disease related death and uh, and I love the way you do this. So you, you list, just to name a few, there's how not to die from heart disease, which is the number one, right? How not to die from lung disease, brain diseases, digestive cancers, infections, diabetes, and you just go down the line. And then the final one is iatrogenic causes, which I'm, I, I kind of want to talk about. So that's how not to die at the hands of the medical system, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, so when I was going through, I wanted to write a chapter on the role diet can play in preventing, treating, and reversing our top 15 killers. So when I was going down the list, you know, I was shocked to discover that killer number three, I mean, it used to be like, you know, you think heart disease, cancer, stroke, things like that. No, killer number three is medical care in this country. So even just, uh, you know, uh, deaths from drug side effects given in hospitals, kills an estimated 106,000 Americans a year, already making it the sixth leading killer. That's just in hospitals. Another 199,000 thought to die from drugs given outside of hospitals, for example, in, you know, at a clinic, in your doctor's clinic. So, you know, we're not talking, we talk about side effects. People have this sense, oh, talk about a little rash or something. No, side effects can kill um and uh so uh so uh and then then there's uh, deaths from complications for surgeries for unnecessary surgeries um there's cancers caused by you know even diagnostic tests can be dangerous such as colonoscopies and and ct scans sometimes these procedures are necessary but oftentimes they're unnecessary can be replaced by less invasive um procedures or skipped entirely um And, you know, and look, we're not talking about illicit drugs, drug medication errors. In fact, medical errors also kill tens of thousands more Americans every year, or hospitals acquired infections. Hospitals are dangerous places. We should stay out of them. The answer is to not avoid doctors. The answer is to stay healthy enough, take care of ourselves, and so we don't get sick and require um, the tests and treatments that can have adverse consequences.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That is so true. So yeah, just taking the example of the first chapter heart disease, um, you you give so much information about how not to die from heart disease. And, um, there's, there's a lot of information out there about that particular one. Um, Would you say? And are we continuously.? Well, uh, yes. I
1: mean, no, right. So, people who are familiar with this area know about Dr. Dean Orange's landmark work. Yes. And others like Dr. Esselstyn and Pritikin, reversing heart disease. But until another person continues to die, we have to keep talking about it because obviously people don't know, aren't being fully informed, um, uh, because who would choose to get their chest cleaved in half? And undergo bypass surgery when they can just change their diet, eat healthy, and also and also and they have good side effects. The side effects being they feel better, um, they decrease their risk of other um, uh, leading killers and causes of disability. Um, now look, you know it's it's up to everybody to. Uh, make their own decisions about how to eat and what uh, you know uh, how to live and what to eat but they should make these choices consciously you know educating themselves about the predictable consequences of their actions as a physician what more can i do look if you want to smoke smoke if you want to go i mean it's your body it's your choice but my role as a physician is to tell you that you know people in your situation generally who continue doing behaviors x y and z these are the consequences, and uh, and here's the things you can do about it, and it's up to you to institute them in your own life.
0: Yeah, and you're really a proponent of a whole food, plant-based diet. Um, do you see that we're moving in that direction a little more in this country, or is it a slow transformation?
1: It's a slow transformation, but you see the tremendous, uh, I mean, there's tremendous interest. Yeah, there's uh and this is fueled by, you know, books like The China Study, documentaries like Forks Over Knives, um, you know, uh and you know, what's the kind of celebrities like Bill Clinton, things like that who've, you know, kind of adopted these um dies and that just you know increases publicity gets people to look into it you just have a sense that eventually the kind of the truth will float up to the top even though there's a lot of garbage out there sure. um and uh and yeah you know, and i'm a, you know i think the medical profession will just be kind of dragged kicking and screaming in this direction anyway just by the big payers i mean it's just too expensive um you know we're bankrupting our country with our health care costs and so here's a, a direction you can go that actually is not only more cost-effective, but more effective-effective. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, uh, you know, uh, you know, so, you know, corporations that self-insure, you know, you prevent a few cases of diabetes, and, you know, you've done a tremendous, you know, uh, service to your bottom line, to your shareholders and your employees. And so, I mean, I think... Th- we're going to move in that direction. The problem is how fast. So, you know, it took it took about 25 years for the Surgeon General's report to come out against smoking in the mid-60s. You know, how many millions of smokers died in that time, right? Okay, so if it came out one year earlier, we would have saved that many more lives. Every year we delay um, uh, getting this information out to the public is another year that people are going to suffer. And so it's going to happen. Um, but uh, my role really is just uh, trying to make it happen earlier rather than later.
0: Yeah, I agree. I'm with you on that. So let's do this. Let's do this thing. So, talk about genetics. I mean, they do play a role, obviously. But how predetermined are we really to develop some of these diseases if we do change our lifestyle?
1: Yeah, genetics are about um, so about eighty percent of all. Um, uh, premature death and disability is preventable with, um, you know, uh, healthy lifestyle behaviors like a plant-based diet. Um, And so, uh, you know, there's a a small percent that's kind of, you know, travels, um, that's kind of, you know, inherited down through one's family. But, you often that's used as an excuse. Like, oh, yeah, I've got, you know, heart disease in the family or something. When in actuality, well, I mean, if you have heart disease in the family, you have to eat even healthier than everybody else. It's not mm-hmm. an excuse to eat poorly. It's like, wow, some people can get away with eating a little crap once in a while. But you, you've <laughs> got to really eat healthy because you, you're you starting out um, with a, this handicap of bad genetics. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I mean, the, the, you, if you just have a bad family history of these diseases, well, then you just you, you have to do it twice as good as everybody else.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's really true, and um, don't we all have someone in the family that has heart disease? I mean it's kind of right kind of unfortunately,
1: like, you, know, you know genes you know uh, uh, you know are, are inherited, but so are bad diets and lifestyles unfortunately yeah. so yeah, bad diseases run in the family, but often nobody runs in the family
0: yeah
1: um and that can uh, uh, and that can be a problem as well
0: yeah, truly, truly and you're 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 walking. You're not running, but
1: I'm walking. Yes, very slow, like you know, two and a half miles an hour, something like that. Just to you want to keep your endothelium happy. Actually, prolonged sitting, independent of physical activity, is harmful. So even people go out to the gym an hour every day. If you're sitting six or more hours a day, it's actually um, bad in terms of uh, your longevity. So I encourage people to take breaks have a standing desk if possible. And if they, they can have a walking desk, that's even better.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I'm inspired to do that. So I don't want to give away anything from this book because I want everybody to buy it because I really think the information is crucial for every single person. But I do want to go over just a few things if it's okay. And sure. one of, one of the things a lot of people will be really excited to find out, including those who are shareholders in Starbucks is that coffee is really pretty good for a lot of things. So, can you talk about coffee and give us all the uh, go-ahead? This, <laughs> I've been talking
1: about coffee. Well, yeah. you know, look, uh, food is a you know, food is basically a zero-sum game. You know, every time you put one thing in your mouth, it's a lost opportunity to put something even healthier in your mouth, and that you can. And the same thing happens with beverages, and so I actually, I, I mean, so it's not that coffee is unhealthy but there are healthier options so i encourage people to drink green tea so every cup of coffee is one lost opportunity to drink another cup of green tea which there's more data to support its benefits but indeed coffee drinkers tend to live longer um have lower cancer rates um uh, lower rates of liver disease um and so it is a health promoting beverage however there are healthier beverages and foods are not so much good or bad for you but better or worse for you and so we should always try to ratchet up mm-hmm. um uh, you know the uh, the foods and beverages in our diet in terms of uh, eating and drinking healthier
0: yeah yeah and and you mentioned so many different things that are really superfoods and i want to get to that in a little bit and maybe we can incorporate it into this you say in your book that people ask you constantly what do you eat and you have your daily dozen that you talk about. Maybe you can talk about the daily dozen, what you eat, and then your traffic light approach, if you could kind of. Yeah, yeah.
1: So, I mean, that's what's something missing from uh, the the website. So, you know, I started, you know, org is this kind of free nonprofit science-based public service providing these kind of. You know, daily updates on the latest in nutrition research, you know, via these kind of bite-sized videos. And so there's like, you know, thousand videos on nearly every aspect of health eating. New videos, articles uploaded every day. But it's a little overwhelming. I mean, it's like you just go to the site and there's just so much information. And I really wanted to take the opportunity. The book gave me this opportunity to be like, all right, let me just kind of translate this mountain of evidence into, like, day-to-day, you know, grocery store decisions kind of things, like meal planning. What do you actually eat? Um, and uh, so, uh, um, you know, so I shared what I do in my own life or my own family and, and you know, with the caveat that, look, you know, it doesn't – you don't have to do it like me. If this doesn't work for you, that's totally fine. But, uh, you know, if you're curious, this is how I've done it. But, uh, you know, anyway, you want to eat a, you know, whole food plant-based diet, uh, it'll be beneficial for your health. And so, uh, you know, over the years, every time I come back from the medical library, I would, you know, come out with some really cool new things. And, you know, my family would roll their eyes and be like, what can't we eat this week? Or, you know, or I'd be like, or they'd be like, hey, why does everything have parsley in it all of a sudden or something, you know, but so... Uh, you slowly but surely, you build up these things of the, that you. I wanted to make sure I got into my daily diet, and you know, I'd forget after a while. You know, I'd forget something, and then I'd read some article. like, oh yeah, flax seeds. Oh, I forgot how wonderful flax seeds are. I got to make sure I get them in my daily diet. So I started making a little, just kind of a a whiteboard checklist on my fridge, um, just to kind of check off. Oh, make sure I got beans today. Make sure I got my turmeric today. Make sure I got whatever um and so they kind of uh, kind of evolved into my daily dozen checklist kind of the daily things i want to um try optimally to get into uh um you know on a day-to-day basis and that's so why i talk about how much um you know ideally we should get of all how much exercise how many greens how to make the greens taste good how to you know you know and so i talk about you know my favorite recipes and kitchen gadgets and just basically whatever, you know, kind of how I make it work for yeah. myself. But um, so that's the kind of daily dozen concept. Um, and then, uh, right, this, you know, which foods are healthier, which foods are less healthy, which foods should we maximize, minimize. So I just have this kind of simple traffic lights uh, um, uh, kind of, you know, like the, there's green light foods, which we should just maximize our intake. There are yellow light foods, which, you know, we should um, try to minimize in our diet. And then uh, the red light foods, which you really try to avoid. Um, And uh, so, you know, the green light foods are whole plant foods. Um, Yellow light foods are animal foods uh, and, and processed plant foods. And then the red light foods are processed animal foods and really ultra processed plant foods. Uh, which, you know, bear no resemblance to the original, you know, like cotton candy. Like, you don't even know what plant that came from, right? It oh. could have came from a sugar beet, could have come from a sugar... I mean, it's just yeah. like so far removed yeah. that it's just we just shouldn't eat it. I mean, now look, I mean, you know, what you have on your birthday or special occasions doesn't really matter. It's the day-to-day, week-to-week um, diet. And on a day-to-day basis, we really should try to center our diet, around whole plant foods, which is fruits, vegetables, beans, you know, split peas, chickpeas, lentils, whole grains, nuts and seeds, mushrooms, herbs and spices, you know, food that comes from the ground. These are the healthiest foods for us. Mm.
0: And beans are so filling.
1: Beans are wonderful. Oh,
0: so filling. Um, you know, we share something, uh, both of our dads, my dad uh, developed Parkinson's a couple, uh, couple years ago and or you know was diagnosed and yours was as well can you talk a little bit about parkinson's just for my dad shout out to dad i love you dad (laughs) he's actually Uh, doing very well uh
1: park yeah so i have a chapter on parkinson's Mm -hmm. um because it uh it's uh, one of our 15 leading causes of death um it's uh um uh it's a neurological movement disorder um and uh and the, thankfully, there are things we can do to help prevent Parkinson's. Uh, Probably the leading dietary risk factor is dairy, uh, because of these neurotoxic chemicals like tetrahydroisoquinoline, which is found predominantly in cheese, these neurotoxic chemicals contaminating the dairy supply, um, uh, and so, uh, which is the re- which is the reason we think that uh, Parkinson's has been consistently associated with increased dairy intake. Um, And the kind of if there was something, there's one thing that actually may prevent, um, help prevent uh, Parkinson's, it would probably be um, uh, the intake of uh, nightshade vegetables, particularly green peppers Mm -hmm. um, or bell peppers in general, tomatoes. Um, uh, and, And then, in terms of treating Parkinson's, uh, so on the website, you, there are videos on preventing and treating Parkinson's, and, and the prevent, the treatment of Parkinson's is really about what's called a protein-redistributed diet, where you get most of your protein intake in an evening meal, so when you suffer the consequences, um, uh, in terms of increasing Parkinson's symptoms, you're asleep by then, so it doesn't really bother you, um, but it's basically, so it's a plant-based diet, but really pushing you know the protein superstars like legumes to the evening meal.
0: Okay, okay, good. Yeah, and I think everyone should read that. I was sharing it with my dad today and he was I'm really good. excited. He wants to read it, so I'm gonna give it good. to him for Christmas. Oh so. great. So, you must want him around for a while. Well, of course. He's he's such a great guy and he's actually doing really well there. And they, right. they they uh they're they found a nice little medication that seems to work, so so thank you. Um, okay, so I would like to hear, if you have any, some examples of success Aside from your grandma's awesome example, do you, can you talk about, does anything come to mind when I ask for an extreme example of success for, for someone who's really made that lifestyle change and, and um, shown significant uh, health benefits from it?
1: Sure. But, I mean, you know, one doesn't have to go to anecdotes. I mean, there are studies that that take people um, and randomize them into two different diets and have a control group and can show remarkable reversals. So, for example, type 2 diabetes, famous study from the 1970s that put, you know, half people on a plant-based diet and within 16 days a quarter were off insulin. Um so we're talking diabetics have had diabetes for twenty years and then off all of insulin thirteen days. You know, someone on you know thirty-two units of insulin eighteen days later on none, lower blood pressure, excuse me, lower blood sugar on thirty-two units less insulin. That's the power of plants. And they force people to eat so much food um they uh, they maintain their weight. So they put people on a plant based diet. Uh, restricted meat, um, eggs, uh, dairy, and junk food, and but yet made them eat so much food they didn't lose weight because they wanted to make sure that they, it was actually the diet, not just because of all the weight loss that people tend to um, get when they start eating healthier. And so even with no changes in weight, we could reverse diabetes with a healthy duff diet within weeks in some cases you can't get more dramatic than that and so you know and whereas the control group continue to get worse and are going to face a lifetime of risk for vision loss kidney function loss amputations it's a horrible disease it need not progress we can prevent it we can treat it we can reverse it with a healthy enough diet and it's just outrageous that um, this isn't offered as an option to uh, patients by physicians but, uh, you know, they were never taught this. And so until we get the word out, um, you know, they can't be blamed for uh, not knowing the, uh, you know, the, yeah. the best intervention.
0: Yeah, I agree. Well, I love how you get super specific. And uh, in one of your chapters, uh, toward the end of the book, you talk about potatoes. And which potatoes? I, I'm such a big fan of potatoes. Like, ah! They're so good. But you, you actually... Gave purple potatoes in your Christmas stockings one year. <laughs> oh, well, oh, well, purple
1: sweet potatoes. Purple sweet potatoes. Yeah. All so, right. So blue <laughs> potatoes are better than white potatoes, and then sweet potatoes are better than blue potatoes, and purple sweet potatoes are better than everything. Great stocking stuffer. <laughs> um, uh, my one of my favorite snacks is these purples. In fact, maybe I'll have them today. So purple sweet potatoes. You know, cut them into wedges. You know, I dredge them with a little, uh, you know, malt vinegar, and uh, you know, dipped in some blue cornmeal and some rosemary powder, baked until the inside gets all nice, soft, and mashed potato. We dip in some hot sauce spiked ketchup, and I'm good to go. Ooh,
0: yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> good, good. I like that idea. Yeah, you have so many great uh, tips and recipes and ideas for for how to enjoy the just the cornucopia of of beautiful fruits and vegetables that are out there and and yeah i'm excited to try some of these so um i want to give all your information and and let people know about your upcoming uh speaking engagements as well because you're coming to my area but first i just want to ask you i mean do you really do you plan to never die and and uh have you thought about your own death and how how the um perfect scenario would be for you
1: well you know it, you know it's funny so uh, you know i you get that question a lot when you make a title when you write a book called how not to die yeah. but and i have to say no no it's all about you know uh you know uh, preventing premature death but actually uh you know with the biotech revolution anyone's intro who you know familiar with for example kurzweil's work oh. Um, uh, the, uh, that it's possible that if uh, we continue down this path of remarkable uh, strides in biotechnology, just like we made remarkable strides in computer science, you know, computers, you know, the computer in our pocket used to be, you know, the size of a room, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so if we make similar strides in biology, there's no reason that in a few decades... We might not be able to stop aging completely. And though you say, wait a second, that sounds like science fiction. So wait a second you you used to be a fertilized egg a microscopic dot and that turned into you that turned into the into the human brain the most complex thing in the un- known universe and if that can happen then oh tweaking whatever genes responsible for aging should be like you know should be you know, trivial i mean we just have to figure out what the process is and so it's really about look can we can we last another thirty, forty, fifty years until they figure it out how to extend a human lifespan by one year, and then by the next year they can extend it even longer, and then we can live as long as we want. And so, ironically, the how not to die may actually turn into how not how to not die actually <laughs> um eventually. But we got to be around for a couple more decades. Yeah. Um. And uh, so uh, maybe the book will help you not only get there but get. <laughs> even uh, but even uh, be around as long as you want
0: so that's a really positive outlook you think really 30 40 years and we're and we're there
1: if you well i mean that that's what the i mean you know you always got to be a little skeptical of these longevity researchers who you know they, that's what they say in their grants applications they'd be like give us money we're gonna clear this up <laughs> it's always hard to predict the future and the and the progress but but i mean if you look You know, we we have the human genome, we're looking deep into epigenetics, we're really starting to get a sense of how to switch on and off genes. Um, And, you know, the technology is getting, we're we're rapidly progressing in the field. And so basically, if we keep along this path, we don't reach any kind of major, um, uh, you know, kind of, you know, roadblocks, Mm -hmm. then we really may be able to... um, to uh to figure this out and then you know it's a matter of uh it's a matter of keeping us healthy as long as we want and so but look you, you have to make it there and uh, yeah uh, that means taking care of yourself right now and taking yeah. care of your kids
0: awesome awesome well the book is how not to die and not and die are written in kale so <laughs> <how> you, you'll <laughs> I notice think those,
1: those are mustard greens I oh think. mustard <laughs> green. but, oh really but, oh, Kale is good Okay. Kale is good. They look a little light for kale.
0: True that, true that. Okay, so they're written in mustard greens. Sorry, I, I have to get better with my greens. By Michael Greger, MD. And for more information about your work and to to uh, come and see you talk, because I have a feeling you uh, give a great talk. I can't wait to see you next month. Where can oh, you find what, that?
1: Uh, yeah, no, no. That's really, that's the funnest part. Yeah, I'd yeah. love to, for people to come check it out. So if they just go to uh, nutritionfacts.org um uh, then uh on on the home page you can get all my annual you know videos you can search for any nutrition topic and on the left side has my speaking tour schedule i'm uh, doing about 60 cities in six countries in the next few months so hopefully i will be in your backyard and be able to uh, sign your book in person
0: undoubtedly undoubtedly yeah oh that's a good idea i'll bring my book i'll bring my book well i'm looking forward to seeing you thank you so much for coming on the podcast i hope you got a workout while we were talking
1: <laughs> I am so glad to be here. Keep up the good work.
0: Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll just keep spreading the word so we can all make it to the next 30-year mark together. So Great. Thanks so much, and happy holidays. Thank you. You too. Take care. Bye-bye.